Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Vincent to my Barrett. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Oh, man, I thought I was going to get to be Barrett and I was going to ham it up. Oh, yeah, no. 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 <laughs> I'm just so angry. Uh, and our, ver- our very own uh, Cloud Strife. It's Eric Ronovec. Eric, how you doing? Man, I don't I don't think I know that character very well. I'm, I, feel, I, mean, I feel off. It's a just, little bit. Just picture if you were a uh, generic moody. protagonist and just then uh, you it, were also half Mopey Zuline. Okay, yeah, so is it the guy with like the giant sword? Yes. Yes. Ah! Yes. Yes, it's I'll a, take it. It's a, it's the giant sword moody guy. We'll all excuse so. you while you brood. <laughs> so uh, That's about right. Seahawks went into last week needing to get a win to uh, position themselves to move up in the seating. They did get a win and then uh, did not move up in the seating. Yeah. <laughs> because because uh, also every other team won. And I, I will say this. That was a pretty ugly win. I was pretty um, unhappy with the arc of that game. Uh, Russell Wilson threw a lot for not not as many yards as I would have liked. Uh, we didn't run particularly well, except for Alex Collins was awesome. <laughs> really quickly, I want to underline what you said with that. When you say Russell did not throw for a lot of yards, on passes over 10 yards in the air, he was one for seven for six yards because one of those that traveled over 10 yards, the only one that was caught was caught in the end zone. So it was only a six-yard gain. The ball just happened to travel over 10 yards prior to being caught. <laughs> it, went, it went through eight yards of end zone as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, that summarizes it better than anything else. His Alex was terrible. Yeah, it was um, Yeah, it was not a great. But you know what? A win's a win. And I, and I think that we instead of talking specifically about this game, I think it'd be better to talk about like kind of the curve or the arc of the entire season. And I thought, and I thought the best way to do that would maybe be to, to go over um, our bold predictions from the beginning of the season because that's like one of my favorite shows that we do every year. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I'm gonna take the heat first because I think I did the worst out of everyone. Um, I don't wouldn't say I did particularly bad, but uh, I think I did the worst. So let's start with uh, my worst prediction. Uh, Philip Dorsett will have five catches of over 40 yards and six total touchdowns. He will never appear in a game in a Seahawks uniform. That's pretty bad, um, but I mean, I I can't quite difference. I can't predict Bone Spurs taking out a guy in a. I, I don't know. I th- I still think he would have been excellent in the offense. Uh, he's he's really fast, and he plays in the slot. And we like Kevin said, we we struggled on deep passes last week. This guy gets open on deep passes, so I would have been into that. But you know what? And we never got to see it. And uh, have a great life, Philip Dorsett. <laughs> uh, twenty twenty F NFL MVP Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, I was on, I was looking real good through like yeah, week were. seven yeah. and then, uh, it really went downhill fast. And, um, I don't know if it was all the horny posting or if it was all the, the, if he bought his own hype <laughs> when he trademarked, let Russ cook, like there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, weird things Too that fried maybe, chicken perfume. maybe karmically pushed it in the wrong direction, but, uh, not even close to MVP. I don't even think he'll get a vote. Uh, a lot of people were like, well, he'll at least get a vote this year. I don't think he will. I think. That was You're the main big, story. How has this guy never got a vote? Well, well here we are. Still, still the main story because Aaron he'll Rodgers get half a vote for the half I, a good season he played. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get like thirty something votes, and uh, the rest will go to Patrick Derek Mahomes. Henry. 
No, Derek Henry's not getting an MVP. Got 2,000 yards. He'll get a vote from somebody. He's getting an OPOI. He's, he's winning. He's winning Offensive Player of the Year, but I do not think he'll get an MVP vote uh, because running backs don't get MVP votes. It's not a thing anymore. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe Tennessee's beat writer will do it, right? Right. It's, That's what I'm saying. It's definitely somebody a possibility, will get a vote. But I even think he'll be close to winning. Tennessee's beat writer might not want to waste his vote because it is a really tight MVP race between Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes. So I think Rogers edged it last week by playing. Yep. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. And then uh, my third prediction, Seahawks will have a top five offensive DVOA and a top 10 defensive DVOA. I was close. Seahawks were sixth in offense. And you cannot convince me that if Jamal Adams was healthy all season, they would not have hit top 10. They hit 16th in defensive DVOA by the end of the season. And the defense is on fire right now. So yeah, I think that that prediction is actually all right. I'm okay with that one. I can live with that one, even though I'm 0 for 3. It's right, supposed to be Eric, bold. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really strike for bold on these. Like, I try to go hard into the bold aspect of it. And uh, I'm really happy if I hit one and I got zero. That's so. what's good, though. I mean, we're we're just <laughs> a little too bold. Just a little too bold. Yeah. All right. Eric Ronnebeck. Uh, yeah. I Eric, he said. I didn't uh, hit Greg on Olson, these, but I, I feel Greg all right. Olson will ha- Greg Olson will have eight. All right, you're uh, starting with the worst one first. Receive, well, yeah, that's what I did for me too. You want to walk <laughs> it up? You want to walk it up? He'll have eight receiving touchdowns. Well, no. he had a one. Low. Hold on. He had one. He dropped one in the end zone, and then he missed like seven games. He and I think have gone the, on a Griffey-esque run there. And I'll be honest. <laughs> the, how, how bad your next prediction was also mm. was. Was um? I, was, say, I think this is his worst prediction. I think this yeah. might be actually worse, Eric. But I, I I put the other one first because I knew you'd think it was worse. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. No, no, no. I'm, not play a full 16 game season due to COVID. And I think at that point I said there is no way. You guys interrupted me. Money. You totally. You were like, no, that's stupid. Oh, they're do- too much money, and it was just like, oh, all right, whatever. Maybe I'll and think of we, another one. But I wasn't ready for another bold because <laughs> this was in my heart. And that was a bold prediction because, to be honest with you, they. They did crazy stuff this year to make sure they played all 16. However, if I could change it, and I'm probably a little bit of hindsight, I'd have changed it to something like uh, COVID will drastically affect the NFL landscape. Yeah, that, which I mean, the thing is, that's not bold that's enough. The, yeah, right. It's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not quite bold enough. That's why I said like, the hindsight. Crazy if you're, like, if you're like one team will have to play with a practice squad quarterback, then, right. then congrats. No, a practice <laughs> squad wide receiver at quarterback. <laughs> That Denver Broncos started Kendall Hinton. That is insane. The Browns had to start all practice squad wide receivers. I mean, there were teams were mo- the schedule was changing like crazy. And me over with my fantasy football team trying to manage the the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, I have I have J.K. Dobbins <laughs> and Lamar Jackson on my team, and I'm just like, how come this buy keeps changing? Like, <laughs> oh, these man. games are on Tuesday now. Now they're on Wednesday. Like it is. It was just impossible. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the amount of wins uh, at footballs we got. So uh, I respect the boldness. I do think that like even at the time I was like, there's way too much money on the line, and the NFL proved how much they cared about money this year. You'll Your last prediction was really good though this last prediction is bold and close you said 4200 passing yards the seahawks threw for 3941 and 2000 rushing yards they ran for 1971 yeah it was uh honestly how this season started it just looked like i was gonna blow that the the actuality pardon me uh would would have blown that out of the water but you know we came back down to earth and uh whatever it came close it was fun yeah now uh, for Kevin, we start with my worst one. Do you want to, 
I mean, none of these are particularly horrible. Okay, uh, so first one. Benson Mayoa will have double-digit stacks and 50-plus pressures. Is Hall of Famer Benson Mayoa. <laughs> you know, he missed He missed, uh, He missed. missed four games, three games. He could have gone on a Griffey-esque run, apparently. <laughs> yes. Is how we're saying this. I like it, Kevin. He ended up with 34 pressures and six sacks. Mayoa um, was good. He was, he was solid. He was solid. He was a solid r- rotation player. Honestly, it just felt like this whole season – we kind of just needed one sack artist, and then here comes Carlos Dunlap to kind of fill that void. Uh, Twenty-seven pressures in eight games, seven sacks in eight games. Just a uh, he's he's kind of filled in that void uh, as our premier kind of pass rusher. So uh, yeah, maybe if maybe if Bruce Irvin is healthy the whole season, Mayola gets to kind of be the you know fulfill that role more. I don't know, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, he's been good. He's been really good, and I think yeah. like just being on his corner is a is a fine place to be. You said the Seahawks will have two one thousand yard receivers for the first time since nineteen ninety five, and they will both have eighty receptions each. And they did. DK got eighty three. Yeah, DK barely made eighty. I was like watching that one in the in yep. the last game. I was like, okay, he's got to get he's got to get a couple catches in this game to get over eighty. I think he started the game with. Uh, I think he actually started the game with eighty. Maybe it was the game before that he hit it. Either way. Nice prediction, Kevin. The um, hundred receptions for Lockett, eighty-three for DK. Um, Lockett barely hit a thousand, so so it was like uh, both sides of that barely came true. But that's a it's a really good receiver pairing, and I think that your main point, you know, that this will be a premier receiver pairing that that um will rival any in the league. Bared out. This is um, yeah, this I is felt good about that one. Top five, maybe even top one receiver pairings in the NFL. Yeah. Can you think of a better uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones is the other one that comes to mind right away as like but too bad you like only him. ever get 20% of Julio Jones healthy at a time. Yeah. That's well, this true. year, this year was tough for, for Julio Jones being healthy, but he was, st- he still was pretty good. Um, is there another one, Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen maybe? Yeah, but I would actually, I would take DK and Tyler over them. I would too. So I think that's another one that's up there though. That's a good uh, pair. Corey Davis and AJ Brown had a great season, but they're not as good. I think that they might be number one. It's you can really make the argument. Um, the other teams have a good number one, like you know, uh, DeAndre D-Hop. Hopkins, yep. Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, but their number two is worse enough that it brings them back to earth. And when you think about pairs, Cup Woods, um, you know, CD Lamb and uh, Amari Cooper, I think DK and Tyler are they're there. They're they're just as good or better. I think it's all consistency. All those guys you mentioned on the other teams, every single one, there's one consistent guy or two guys that are really flashy but not consistent. Consistency with both of these guys that makes. Now, if you include if you include third receiver, then I'm going to take Tampa Bay every time the with the Evans Godwin Brown. But but I think that's the only one that I would even that I would consider um, for for yeah. even the third guy. If you include David Moore in there, then I think we're still ahead of everyone. Pittsburgh has a really good trio too with Johnson, Claypool, and uh, Smith Schuster. Yeah. Um, so okay, that's that's a great prediction, Kevin. And no, no Seahawks starting lineman will have a PFF grade under sixty. I like that you use PFF grade for this because it's basically like saying like, hey, I'm going to trust something that's completely random. Yeah, uh, and got there, <laughs> nailed like it. You you put your you put your trust in something that is um. You know, Nathan, uh, they watch every play. Oh, that's that's what I have to say about them. I will say this: they count the stats and they do a good job. I hardly ever like disagree with like who they applied the sack to or the pressure to. So that is I correct. Mean, Good for them. Uh, Dwayne Brown had an 87.3. Cause uh, he's great, amazing. Great season for Dwayne Brown. Uh, perhaps the, uh, the best player on the team. Dwayne, uh, Damian Lewis had a 70. It was very, very good. 
Brandon Shell, seventy-two point two. Yeah. Then Jordan Simmons slash Mike Upati. So if you take you you, you want to take the one that <laughs> you got to take the one that did more snaps, Kevin. So you get Jordan Simmons, five hundred ninety-three snaps, fifty-one point six ruins your prediction. No, <laughs> just kidding. Upati is the 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 starter. Is the so starter at sixty-seven point eight. And he had a 6.7.8. He was really good. And then Postage, 62.4. Uh, too tall for Russell to throw over, but, you know, whatever. We'll take it. Uh, the, the the thing for if this say, they're saying that when this when the starting offensive line played together, okay, so that's left All to right. Uh, they played for five games. This offense was scored, scored 30 points in every single game. So they're saying that this week they should all be back. Okay, so for left to right, we should have Brown, EU, Potty, Posich, Lewis, uh, Shell. If that is true, it is a very good sign for the offense because I do think that the lack of continuity on the offensive line, some questionable play from from guys like Jordan Simmons, uh, Cedric Ogbui, and especially Chad Wheeler, uh, that that has led to uh, just just broken plays, drives just getting killed by bad plays. Yeah, and those communication breakdowns have been killer. There's nothing that kills a drive more than like a nine yard sack on second down, right? Like you're it's the second and six, you know, you ran your first play, you ran or you ran a short pass and now it's second and six, nine yard sack, third and 15. Now, honestly, against the Seahawks being in third and 15 is probably fine because I actually root for it to be like third and short because our <laughs> defense is so good. But like, you know, when it's third and long, that's just a drive killer. And so, yeah, but nice job, Kevin, predicting a big jump up from the offensive line there. Now, I, I think firmly in the top half of the league, which is really a, a, a big improvement. A over modern miracle over what we've seen in recent years. Yeah. So. Yeah. So a point that I'd like to make is um, you're the person who should be giving up the most sacks and pressures on your team is your quarterback. And that was true this season. Russell Wilson gave up the most pressures with 37. Next most was actually Dwayne Brown with 34. I don't always agree with the way the pressures are applied, but the numbers end up being roughly accurate in the wash. Now, compare that to last season when Russell Wilson gave up 40 pressures and Jermaine Effetti gave up 52. You know, uh, it's it, it was a huge difference, and I think Brandon Shell is the big difference maker. We went from, what, a... Uh, D minus F at right tackle to like a B, a nice solid B. What an upgrade. Feels good. What an Feels upgrade. good. Especially last year, Kevin. I mean, we all kind of said it, but you went over it in the stats. If we can just get to, I think your exact words, if we can get to bang average as a replacement for a Fetty, you'll see wonders on this offensive line. And it came together. Yeah. So overall, though, I think a good season for bold predictions, to be honest with you, even though uh, we went like, what, two for nine? Uh, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. I, I, I don't think it was that bad, though, because <laughs> all of them all of them kind of trended correctly. Russell Wilson had a really good start to his season. Uh, COVID was a huge impact on the season. I think there's only like really two duds, two total whiffs, the Greg Olson and the Philip Dorsett. Those were pretty bad. Uh, and I, I, I apologize for putting my faith in Philip Dorsett. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will you not in make... Indianapolis both and, and th- 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 that's what I get for uh for doing that so okay uh let's go ahead and move on uh, to our kind of season review and short season review uh let's talk about the offense first Kevin uh, I know you did a deep dive we've, we've been thinking a lot about the arc of the offense and how they've been forming this season so what did you notice as you dug into the, the season for the Seahawks offense 
So I took a look at uh, the Seahawks offense uh, week by week for all 16 games of the season. I looked at the opponent, the opponent's final pass DVOA, defensive pass DVOA, the number of points scored, number of plays, total dropbacks for us, uh, the number of 20 plus and 10 plus yard throws, the number of turnovers that we gave on offense, um, how many targets DK got and how many targets Tyler got. So let's do a little game. I'm going to give you some stats from that for a given week. And I want you to tell me if you think we scored 27 or more points or less than 27 points in that week. Oh, God. Wow. It's just like I hate games like this because I feel like they're all trick questions. <laughs> uh, I'm always like, like when you do like, uh, oh, did, who has more fantasy points, Marvin Jones Jr. Or, or Julio Jones? And it's like, oh, well, if you're tasking me this question, then I think it's probably Marvin Jones Jr. You okay. know, we faced the number situation. six defense by pass DVOA. Uh huh. Okay, then I think we went uh, over. I think it's a trick question, so I think it's over. Yeah, I'm going to go with the trick questions. Well, I, I got to give you more stats. Oh, okay. Uh, we had 15 attempts of 10 or more yards. We had one turnover. Over then. Uh, turnover, um, I think, matters too much. Over. So you think we went over? Over? Yeah. Yep, that was uh, week four against Miami. Okay. Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Missed Number the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> poor t- poor Tua. Oh, man. What a tough, tough season. Uh, hey, the, you, there's no one you want to bench less than, than football Twitter's lovable underdog, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And boy, <laughs> if, you do, if you do bench him, you better play awesome. And he didn't. No. Okay, so now we have the number four pass defense by uh, DVOA. Um, 11 passes uh, over 10 yards. Three turnovers. Over under 27 points. Or t- I guess over under 26 and a half. Three turnovers? That's got to be under. I'm Kevin, I know how wonky this season was in my stats that I, I did le- yesterday for this podcast. I'm going to say over. Uh, the answer is under. That was week 10 at the Rams. Oh, God, that game sucked. 1623. I, I was, I was pulling Buffalo. Okay. So how about this one? Uh, against the number 12 defense by, uh, pass defense by DVOA. Um, we had 15 attempts of 10 or more yards and four turnovers. Four turnovers. Over, under 26 uh- and a half. Uh, under, but I'm gonna. I feel like this one was the trick because I think this might be the Buffalo game. Yeah, I'm going over. I'm sticking to my guns. It is the Buffalo game. That's yeah. correct. So uh, <laughs> the thing was, I just remember there being a lot of turnovers in that game, but we were still scoring points. So the same thing happened though. It's in the Arizona game where we scored 34. We had thir- three turnovers in that game. the The thing that was really annoying is I went through all these stats, going, "All right, there's going to be some correspondence Dis- between discernible like, pattern." turnovers deep passes and points scored right um what i figured out was up until week nine we could score more than 30 points or more than 27 points after week nine we kind of couldn't that is that is the discernible pattern uh the rates that we were like um against uh atlanta number 19 uh pass defense by dvoa we had eight attempts of 10 or more yards no turnovers, but only eight attempts at 10 or more yards, 38 points. Against New England, we only had eight attempts at 10 or more yards, 
35 points. Um, I watched back that New England game last week for some reason. Man, I did not feel like we played very good in that game. Nope. We were super fortunate. It was very tight. To leave that game with a win. And like, I mean, now what I know about the defense, trusting that defense to get a stop on the goal line in a run situation, I do feel really good about that situation now. But man, that is a high pressure, high leverage uh, situation that we put ourselves in in that game. But our passing line in weeks one and two, when we scored 38 and 35 points, was almost identical. And uh, when we scored 37 in week eight against San Francisco, um, against the number seven, number 18, and number 19 past DVOA, uh, was almost identical to uh, week 16 against the Rams when we scored 20. We had eight throws of 10 or more yards. We had, uh, you know, we... we had Russ only had like three three hundred. He only had like three three hundred yard games, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like so um, it, it's so it just seems to be a situation where, um, like, yeah, the Washington game we didn't throw deep, or against San Francisco last week, Russ couldn't hit any of those deep passes. He was one for seven. So there's a few games like that um, against in the first Rams game. Russ was four for eleven on passes over ten yards. And had three turnovers, so you can find some patterns like that. But then this is what happens ones, when you're working with such a small sample, right? Sixteen right, games, it's the NFL just, problem. Sixteen games is just not a lot, and we we're going to talk about this then. But if this team can put, you know, some good offensive performances together, like from the beginning of the season, with anything resembling the defense we've seen for the last six, uh, basically since week ten, this is an extremely tough out in the in the playoffs and i mean we finished the season fifth in dvoa this is this team is like no small shakes i think a lot of people have a lot of they think there's a ceiling on this team right now um and i don't think there's a ceiling they could they could win the super bowl you know this is a def- that is definitely on the table but well, they could it, pop off for 30 points against any of these playoff teams easily yeah what what team well, i'll get into it later uh, i was gonna ask what team you want to face the least but let's do it let's do it after we kind of go over the arcs is there anything else you noticed uh offensively kevin and in the arc of the season you know um it made a big difference when chris carson was in there uh our run game was just more reliable whether we used it more we used it less um uh, the number the first downs picked up on the ground that was noticeable um the trend uh turnovers for russ started going up uh, corresponding to when our offensive line started getting unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So through week five, he, there were one or fewer turnovers each week. Uh, starting in week seven, we had a span where it was three, zero, four, three. I mean, the first, if you, the first five weeks, we were first in offensive DVOA, right? Like we were, we were so excellent. Yeah, we were killing it. And then week seven against Arizona had a little bit dip, but then we were really good against San Francisco again in the first San Francisco game. So it looked like, and hey, maybe it's just a one week dip, but then we saw after that a couple more, you know, kind of with all the turnovers against Buffalo and, uh, and then the Rams game. And it's that just, it de- wasn't, that was a depressing time though. I mean, we should have beat Arizona bounce giant. It's a bad the giant. Let's go to giants game. That giants game was the last loss. That we had. Giants game sucked 17, 12. And then the Rams game 23, 16. I have those, 
I have this as the worst games of the season, worse than the Arizona game. Kevin, you said uh, we we couldn't uh, do much after week uh, week eight. I'm sorry, week what, what week did you say we stopped scoring? Week after week oh, eight, week nine after week, week nine. nine. So I have the but, same. But thing even week nine's offensive performance is like kind of a mirage because, like as Kevin highlighted, there was four turnovers. In yeah, and it was catch up nope. football. But I I, mean, I wrote defense, down that we uh, put our defense in horrible positions in that game. I wrote down that we didn't crack thirty after that because the Jets don't count. <laughs> but that's that's rude to say, and it's probably not true because that's rude to say, especially because they, they beat the Rams. That's the thing. Think about that, though. That's the Jets are the only time we've hung thirty since then, and so, so that's. So I I looked at some defensive stats, uh, and I'll um one thing I think that's really interesting is four of the teams. Five best defensive performances are in the last f- five weeks. Uh, so the the best defensive performance according to DVOA was against the Rams in Week 16. Against the Jets in Week 14 was the second best. Third best was last week against San Francisco, and fourth best was against the Giants. Now, when you look at that opponent list, Rams, Niners with Bethert, uh, Sam Darnold's Jets, and Sam Darnold's, and then then the, the Colt McCoy Giants, you might think, well, who cares? That's not that good. But remember, DVOA, what's cool about the stat is that it adjusts for opponent. So those were good defensive performances, even considering the opponent. And yeah, we're not gonna hold uh who we're not gonna hold a good playoff team like New Orleans to three points. It's not gonna happen like we did against the Jets. But relatively we can do much better than maybe you would expect. You know, holding them to 17 points might not be unreasonable. And that's a very that's a very doable target for this offense, right? So Am I for for the defense? It, they're peaking at the right time. You know, they're coming together. Um, we like to joke about the stupid uh, accountability meeting, but there was a very real problem that was identifiable at the beginning of the season. And I I think I brought it up in week eight or nine. I said Quandre Diggs seems like he does not know what he is supposed to be doing out there because he doesn't know where anyone's supposed to be. The back seven of this defense looks completely disjointed, and since. Uh, about week 10, they've really started to come together. That Ram, that Rams game was like the last game where they look bad about week 11 on this defense has been significantly better. Um, they've been consistently good against the rush all season, but the passing defense has really turned it around to be league average or better, which is really all you need when the, when the defense, when the rushing defense is so good, right? It's, it's impossible to rush on this team. Short passes don't really work. I would rather see this team in a third and three almost than a third and 10 because third and 10 is scarier. There's still a little bit of gaps in our zones that teams are finding. Uh, like last week with Kittle there, there was a play towards the end of the game where it seemed like they had, they knew exactly where our defensive guys were going to be. And here we'll run this little play that will get us eight yards. No problem. Those kind of holes still exist. And so I'd rather just be like, Hey, it's third and one. We dare you to run and (laughs) kind of play it that way because our run defense is incredible. The Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner and KJ, Wright Just roaming the center of that field is and well, Jordan Brooks stepping up as a run defender. That dude covers a lot of ground. Yeah. So, yeah. It, I'm, Not, really, I'm really good excited good. about the arc of this defense. And going into the end of the season, here's the thing. The offense can get right fast. Like we talked about at the beginning, the offensive line finally going to be all back healthy. And when that offensive line was together, Russ had tons of time to throw and looked really good. So there's no reason we can't just get back to that. Carson is finally healthy. Carson can probably carry mm-hmm. the rock 20 times next game. Do you think Carson's healthy? I mean, yes. I think he's healthy enough. I think he's as healthy I, as a running back in late in the year is. That's fair. I'm not 
not not devil's advocate. Just I I think he's healthy enough. He still takes yeah. himself out here and there. Uh, I mean, do you think it's a coincidence that our defense started hitting on all cylinders the same time that both Dunlap and DJ Reed were getting into the fold? I think, I think Dunlap, Dunlap helped helped a lot. Um, his pro football focus rating is not that good, but I don't really get it. You want, and a lot of people are like uh, point to those next gen stats, the ones where um, they say like he doesn't get penetration. Um, you know what? The, what's the next gen stat that they have? Um, adjusted line yards. His adjusted line yards aren't that good, but I don't really care <laughs> because when I watch him play, he he does his job really well, and it opens up things for other people too like Jaron Reed and Benson Mayoa to make plays. And yeah, maybe he's not getting the biggest push off the line or he's not just destroying his guy one-on-one, although he has done that a couple times. He plays a really disciplined brand of football that I feel like opens things up for other guys on the field. And that's also, really what... if that means we get him for like closer to $10 million than $20 million, then I'm really a big fan of that. And we have him for 14 next year already if we want it. Um, mm-hmm. But we could maybe get a little discount for sure. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't need him to come in and be... Uh, you know, I was going to jokingly say Jadavian Clowney, but let's not joke about that anymore. It's just sad. Um, <laughs> You'd I, have to be like prime Von Miller. Right. He doesn't have to be prime Von Miller. We just needed a good stabilizing influence on our defensive line so we could rush four and not and play normal Seahawks football. Because when this team rushes four and plays normal Seahawks football, they're really, really good. They, the, that that zone, the, the stuff we can do, we're playing really good. And yeah, DJ Reed has been a revelation on the outside. I wouldn't give him as much credit. I love DJ Reed, but I think that, you know, healthy Quentin Dunbar or uh, normal Trey Flowers probably would have been just fine Ooh. in this current situation. Trey Flowers? But I don't know about that. I, I'm a I'm a Trey Flowers is is weak average truth. I think I think the flowers has wilted. Oh no! Uh, I don't think he's that bad. He was playing. He was also playing hurt because they were afraid to put DJ Reed on the outside. They were like, "Man, he's not six foot two. He's so small. He's not six foot two. What do we do?" And then, uh, and then, and then somebody pulled him aside, like, "Yo, Pete, you seen the mitts? Yeah, look at his hands. Hold his hands up to Trey's hands, and they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> he's got mitts. DJ's, hey. DJ's got the mitts. Hey, Trey, come here for a second. Can you hold your hands up? Well, what do you need, Coach? Just uh, close your eyes, but put your hands up. DJ's got the mitts. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. Everyone's getting back healthy. The team is understanding how to play together. Every little bit helps. Now we got to talk about third phase, though. The third phase was very important for the Seahawks this year. Oh, yeah, um, it was. League, we were among the league leaders up. in – punting and kicking uh seahawks finished the season third in in special teams dvoa uh just really good we were really good at kickoffs fifth on kickoffs uh, myers basically just boots it out of the end zone every time we were third on punting okay and then <laughs> the football outsiders database has a really cool stat called hidden points <laughs> and uh, we, we were not that good at hidden points. So I don't really know what that means comparative to the, uh, the rest of the statistic because <laughs> we were third overall in DVOA, but uh, Oh, also field goals and extra points. We were first. And I will say this. A lot of people say, I mean, they say, Nathan, you say Jason Myers is automatic. He made every field goal, but he did miss extra points. And I would say to you, Superman has kryptonite. Okay. And 
get over it. Like, yes, he's amazing at perfect at field goals. He's never going to miss one again for the rest of his life. He might miss a few extra points. Okay. Superman has kryptonite and he sometimes isn't perfect. Okay. But you just have to deal with it. Okay. I'd like to bring up too, like Myers was 24 for 24 on field goals. These were not all chip shots. He was 13 for 13 from 40 plus and two for two from 50 plus. Yeah, 61 like, yarder. I mean, are, those are real field goals. Which which drives me nuts when Pete doesn't trot him out for more 50 yarders, instead just punts from the 39 or whatever. It's like, bro, you have this guy who's really good. Use him. Uh, the last two kickers who made every field goal uh, in their season, uh, 20 or more field goals, they both were the all pro kicker. So he's got a good shot at getting all pro. He's got it going into Young Wake, who, who uh, was really good, but last week missed a field goal that would have tied the game and maybe maybe at the last second here we're gonna see uh auto myers get it auto myers uh get it hit a very i don't know if he deserves it but uh i just who did go 39 for 37 i also just want just a steady kicker i want someone i can more or less rely on and that's who he is it's fine uh do you guys think that that honestly uh the the special teams got a little better because of larry Izzo? Uh, uh, by the way, Eric, I was disappointed. I thought you were going to say you wanted more dirt bags as kickers. <laughs> I mean, can we say something though? Is that like this? This team has been routinely excellent on kick coverage. Um, guys like Cody Barton, Nick Belore, yeah. uh, Shaquem Griff, or Shaquem Ryan Neal, Ugo. Uh, Ryan I asked Neal. a real. That was a real these, question I asked. These guys, these guys have done a really good job this year. And yeah, it might be the fact that um, the special teams coach job was more shared this year than uh, than not because it kind of performed an uptick there i could totally see that yeah so yeah i buy it eric i'm, I'm in i'm in on the uh on your theory yeah, my at my uh, end of end of the year deep dive on some info and stats i was like you know what i don't think i really realized this after like week three i just kind of went oh schneider's back but he wasn't so yeah, schneider was back um he, he he you know he coached some of the games he was fine <laughs> he was he was around yeah, he's you're on the team. Uh, Having I, a lot of depth in the back seven with guys who have wheels makes a big difference. Okay, let's talk about the coordinators. I think it's going to be a topic of the topic du jour. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer, what grade would you give him? A to F, Kevin. B minus. I was thinking B. Eric, you agree? A B and B minus. Are you going to go I'm higher? Or lower? Honestly, I'm Kevin B minus. Just because okay. the, there's there's sometimes the the slant route with DK that we talk about. Uh, maybe that's high, maybe that's low. I don't know how to grade that, so it's B minus. And what are, I like if, if DK, if DK really drops like another game calls. If DK drops another easy pass and then catches another hard, I'm losing my mind with that stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, like he makes these catches that are like incredible, and then he just drops like these gimmies over the middle, and it's like, like dude. that slant in the last game where you're just yeah. like, dude, yeah, what 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 are you doing, man? I just you knew that would happen this game. It's just it's just killing me. I hate you hate to see it. All right, so you gonna be all right, Ken Norton Jr. I'm gonna start with uh, Eric. I feel like I'm being generous here. I'm gonna give him a C. C. I think I'm gonna go solid C, and I think that's basically what he is. Kevin D. D. Okay. Why would you go lower? Why'd you go D? What what, what, what do you see? Um, I saw a Pete Carroll install that was good. And I saw Ken Norton, if things were going well, he could mostly keep them going well. But the moment you had to do anything clever, 
make an adjustment. Um, Try to do I less with, like he, more with less talent. Yeah, I, I feel like he fell apart. And the other thing is, um, he his rendition of the Pete Vent defense is my least favorite. Oh, at the end of the game when they just run that soft cover two, soft cover three. It's hard to watch. Soft cover three. It just makes me want to gouge my eyes out with a water bottle. The um it's so painful. The reason I give him a C is because he's just basically as good as the talent. And he doesn't hurt the talent, but he doesn't really help it either. So like when we had subpar talent when lots of when lots of guys were hurt, he brought the level of the defense down. Uh, he, he, we were, we were just kind of a bad defense. And then once everyone started getting healthy and the, we brought in Dunlap all of a sudden, okay, now we're, we're good defense. And it's like the Ken Norton didn't affect that very much. It's just, we're completely dependent on the talent level of the, of the defense. We're so, at. so counter argument, how yeah. long did it take him to adjust to stop over blitzing with Adams after well, we I mean, didn't need to anymore? Uh, I mean, he stopped that in the middle of the season. Like, yeah, he stopped that like probably about two <laughs> games after he should have. Like the dude, the dude adjusts direction like a freighter. Like, oh, we need to be better in three weeks. Better start steering that's that a, way now. I feel like that's a Pete Carroll thing. It's just like stick with stick with what you uh what you're doing at, at all costs. You know, I want like, a coordinator that transcends Pete's conservativeness. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair request, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, so Jamal Adams pass rush snaps uh, 11 in week one, 11 in week two, 13 in week three, 14 in week nine, nine in week 10, 11 in week 11. Then from bat point forward, seven, seven, six, six, three, six. So he he basically stopped doing that. Now, here's what's crazy is that in the first set of games, so week one to 11, he had six sacks in the last games. Um, and this is pro football focus sacks, so they give him a full sack no matter what. Uh, in the last uh, few, it's five sacks. So the sack numbers didn't really change, even though the snap count went down. And that's what that's what good coaching should be like. You should be using a, a scalpel, not a not a butcher cleaver, right? So, yeah, I think you're right. It took a long time to figure out how to use Jamal better or put Jamal in better position to win. I, I'll say this: part of that could be that there was no off season too, though. You know, there's no off season. Then Prez gets hurt, and so we're we're at a point there too where I don't know. I'm just I, saying, I I'm totally not I'm not going to waffle on this. I I did not like Norton's but, job as a D coordinator last year. I have not liked it this year. And bold prediction: I will not like it next year. What did you think about 2018, though? 2018. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just want to. I want to know how far back because he was already coordinator in twenty eighteen too. I don't remember firmly whether or not I disliked it. I know for a fact I disliked his DC job last year. Yeah, it's, um, it may have started the previous I'm, season, but it was also his my memory of eighteen was. I think Norton has some growing to do, but he should be okay. And I and don't think the, the growth happened. I just remember at the end of that season, we were giving up a lot of points. We gave up like 26 to the Niners, then 31 to the Chiefs, then 24 to the Cardinals. And then we in the playoff game, I felt like the defense was just okay. And then the offense was just, eh. I, I don't know. I'm as worried about Schottenheimer as I am about uh, Norton. I think like they, t- one weird thing is they turned over both coordinators at once. And then now it's like, it took so long for him to turn over the coordinators. I feel like those guys have basically infinite leash as long as we keep winning. 
Yeah, so, it kind of feels that way. So, so they're so basically we're just stuck with them. Uh, yeah, that's why my hope is they bring in somebody as like co-defensive coordinator. Yeah, or someone who someone as a linebackers coach. But then because we, uh, you know, oh, I guess we already have two linebackers coaches. So you know, defensive backs coach though or something. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer is uh, getting buzzed for head coaching jobs, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I wouldn't hate to see it. Uh, depending, the thing is, I have. What this is my nightmare, okay? You don't trust uh, Pete to hire somebody better, and he just brings Bevel back. Correct. I think that I think that Daryl Bevel, Daryl Bevel will be the will be the OC if if Schottenheimer gets hired. Cable. I will say this: I always wanted to I always wanted to see what Bevel was capable of without uh, the the anchor that was Tom Cable, and I do think he was not bad as the OC in in Detroit. They were talent deficient and. He was doing. A, I thought he did a pretty good job, and it was not like a vanilla offense like he ran here. That reminds me of a scene from uh, The Matrix, not like this. Yeah, not like but this. It, I just <laughs> the thing is, is that like going when when I was like standing for Bevel back in the day, I was like, let's just get rid of Tom Cable and give Bevel a shot because I just thought Pete would never fire Bevel. Now that right. Bevel, I don't want to go back. Like I'm not like, oh yay! I really think Bevel is a B. You know, uh, and I think. There are A's out there. We need to try to find them. For years, you've been saying, like, Bevel's not that bad. I think it's more Pete. Bevel's okay. And now there's the the fear that he could be back. And he's just okay. Like, I don't want just okay. Yeah, Bevel and Shoddy, I think, are probably a similar tier of offensive coordinator overall. Like, don't you always want to, like, I always want to upgrade when I, you know, when I, when I get rid of a car. If I'm driving, like, a 94 Ford Ranger... You know, I don't want to end up ditching that and ending up with a 93 Ford Ranger. Like that's not what we're looking for here. Yeah. Great. And a uh, great analogy. Cause uh, you know, I don't want a Ford Ranger at all. Uh, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go ahead and let's, let's start talking about the playoff game. We got a, a big game coming up this week against the Rams, a team that we have faced twice in the first game this season. The Rams were able to grind out a victory against us in the second way where to be honest with you, it looked like Sean McVay completely outcoached Pete Carroll. Then we come back in week 16, and Pete Carroll, I think, has one of his best coaching performances of his entire Seahawks tenure, where he, it I honestly thought he outcoached McVay, which is an insanity crazy pants thing to say, but there it is. It happened. So now we're coming back here. It's one-to-one. McVeigh got him in round one. Carroll got him in round two. So who do you, who do you give the edge to in this one, Kevin? Who do you, who do you think is going to have the edge going into the third meeting between the Rams and the Seahawks? You know, with the offensive line for Los Angeles not looking great in that last matchup, and still having some pretty big health concerns, and with Goff either dinged up or out. I think those are two things that really tilt in favor of Seattle. And the other piece of it is, this is another chance that Seattle has had to figure out how to handle the defense from LA. And they scored 16 in the first matchup. They scored 20 in the last matchup and could have scored more. EU potty will be really important in this game if if we're going to win because we really need to see some good center of the offensive line play against Aaron Donald and Brockers. Yeah, and that communication like Simmons just got victimized in that first game in uh sorry that week 16 matchup when he could not get off his block 
against uh, against Aaron Donald. So I think, yeah, Iapati being healthy, I think communication on the offensive line is what could maybe allow us to get a couple deep shots in that we haven't been getting against L.A. And I think it's probably going to be lower scoring, but I do think we have the advantage. Hmm. I I think it's interesting. Like Goff is probably not going to get a full practice in the whole mm-hmm. week. So he's going to get a bunch of weird limited practices. And then I think they're going to try to th- roll him out there. And what I like about that for the Seahawks is that in Goff isn't even that good when he's healthy. <laughs> so, so you roll out, you roll out hurt goof. It's, um, it's not, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in that. And John Wolford is a non-issue. Like John, if John Wolford plays, then we should, we should easily win. But for yeah, that reason, you know, their, their offense has great weapons. Cup, Woods, uh, Reynolds, Higby, Everett. Um, I know Akers is limited, so he might not play. But Darrell Henderson is is not like uh, garbage. And he, is he on the? Is he, did he make it back yet? I know he hurt his ankle against us. Um, even if he doesn't, my Malcolm Brown is good too. Like, yeah, he's on. Daryl Henderson has not made it off either. Yeah, he's so not made it back yet. So it'll be Malcolm Brown and maybe Cam Akers. I don't know. They have good weapons is what I'm saying, though. And you have to figure out how to stop all of those guys. And what sucks is they have all these receivers who are good at running the kind of short, annoying routes that kill the Seahawks. So at any also, point... Wolford in- can run if he ends up being in. You have to watch out. He, you actually have to respect his scrambling ability. Unlike Goof, at, who looks like it- a newborn giraffe. At any point in the game, though, is what I'm going to say is that they can put together a, a long drive and just be completely insufferable to me and have me pulling my hair out. So I'm I'm really I think that the injury report matters a lot in this game. You know, if if Goof plays and he's hurt and he's not looking good, if Cam Akers is is hurt, um, Joseph Noteboom doesn't make it back. You know, and if if we're fully healthy on the offensive line, I think it's a good situation for the Seahawks going into this. Uh, this week and we basically like everyone is practicing for the Seahawks. Um, we've, we have like, we're looking good in terms of injuries. Adams is the big question mark, uh, with the shoulder and hand injury. And I'm just going to say this. Uh, I think Adams is going to play, but be on a snap count. Adams would drag a limb to finally get in Adams, a playoff game. Yeah, Adams is a psychopath and it's a playoff game. It's his first playoff game. He ain't missing it completely. Do I think that he'll be a hundred percent and play fifty snaps like he's been playing? Um, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say we get a healthy dose of Ryan Neal in this game to kind of make sure Jamal doesn't re-injure himself. So that's a prediction. They, they kind of use Jamal as the the starter closer, right? Put him in at the beginning of the game, bring him in at the end to shut it down. You want to talk about head. Jamal being a psychopath? By the way, can I tell you about my favorite <laughs> thing I noticed rewatching the game? And he dude his, his post game stuff. <laughs> Oh my god, he's so great with the cigars and the He's the, the second coming of Earl it. Thomas. He's, he's so, also he's so adversarial to anyone who's ever slighted him even a little bit. So here which it I is. think is hilarious. So Wilson goes off tackle for a run and picks up a few yards, and Diggs comes hauling across and just throws a big shoulder on him and lays him out, right? And Wilson jumps back up and flexes, like, you didn't get me. And Adams, mind you. Not the guy who actually tackled Wilson and not the guy who is getting flexed on. Oh, was like five yards from out of the play to get in Wilson's face and started snapping at him. It I, was so funny. I hate Jeff Wilson Jr. 
<laughs> yeah, for multiple reasons, but but mostly because he's just annoying. But uh, Adam's right. getting at Jeff Wilson's face after Diggs was the one who hit him in the first place was so funny to me. All right, so we turn the page to the Rams uh, matchups to watch the interior of the offensive line, uh, our interior offensive line versus Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers, uh, Jalen Ramsey, of course, versus DK Metcalf. The story this week, DK, uh, they avoided him last week and, and J- Jalen Ramsey was mad. I think that that's not the thing you want to put out there during <laughs> uh, yeah. DK Metcalf is not, we see what happens when he gets mad. Dead. Not a good idea. Jalen Ramsey probably going to get lit up a little bit. Uh, at least, like in the extracurriculars, even if they don't throw to to DK ten times, they just decide to pick on whoever's guarding Tyler. Uh, just gonna push Jalen Ramsey in the, in the blocking arms plays. here and there. The blocking plays, man, just drive him <laughs> into the ground. Uh, I like the I like those matchups. How do the Seahawks handle the short and intermediate routes from the Rams? Uh, our zone defense versus their their kind of passing game weapons is another uh matchup i'm really excited to watch uh the percentage of snaps between adams and neil is adams a full go something to note to be noticing right away uh and russell wilson you know russell wilson has been uh inconsistent down the stretch and can he recapture that magic that made him mr unlimited you know and made him made let russ cook a national phenomenon and made him copyright it and sell garbage at safeway and when you go to safeway you could get a let russ cook apron <laughs> you know is that is that a is that is that garbage what are you talking about i hate those yeah i you don't like, like monic- crap no i don't like live laugh thank love. you thank you, you thank know, when you. i see that i just think of you eric thank you thank live, you laugh, that's okay. uh hey i'll say this uh my my friend at work, he he has some hot takes, and he was like, "I don't like the special teams this year. Uh, I don't, I don't know." Oh, that's, that, is, that. that is a, that is the hottest he, take I've heard. In yes, a that's why I had to lead with that. But he did say, "Do you think Russ is the same quarterback? Do you think he's still hungry?" To which, anytime somebody says they didn't want it bad enough, I just kind of tune that person out. Uh, but he's like, "Yeah, do you notice he's doing all this? You know, marketing. He's got Sierra. It's like." You know, Sierra does Times Square. You know, Russ was there. And I was like, I don't want to listen to this hot take. I'm kind of wondering. That question you posed, does Russ have what it takes to show his magic still? I really hope we see it. Can I give the joke answer first? Please. You can't be as thirsty as Russ without being at least a little hungry. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, no. I I really wanted to. I tried so hard to groan at that, but I really... That's that's funny, Kevin. <laughs> Not really dumb, but still funny. Uh, what's your serious answer to that, though? Is it is it worth commenting on? I I don't know. I brought it up because yeah, I Russ... think we're going to hear in the off season that Russ is getting some knee stuff and shoulder stuff cleaned up. Okay. I think he took a couple of hits and he's getting a little bit older, and the nano bubbles just didn't quite do it this season. Uh, he's not injured, but he's dinged up. I, and think, I that's... think that's taking a toll on some things. Yeah, that's a that's a fair assumption based on everything we're seeing. Guys, uh, guys, ready for predictions? Do it. Let's go. Hard attacks. Seahawks twenty-one, Rams twenty. Oh, I don't know if I have enough booze for that game. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit of a better cushion. I think there's gonna be a bit of a, um, not necessarily a backdoor cover, but there's gonna be that garbage time touchdown to make it seem a little closer. I'm gonna go Seahawks twenty-four, Rams seventeen. We're all around the same. I have uh, Seahawks 24, Rams 19. I think that Goff plays no matter what. Uh, Wolford 
Wolford was Goof? okay. Can you call him by his proper name? Very yeah, goof? The, the goofiest. Wolford didn't play terribly last week, but he wasn't going up against a, a defense that I would really worry about. Uh, it's a playoff game. You want to start the goof. You have to. Playoffs. As long as he can lift his throwing arm, he's going to play. Uh, I'll say this. If ever I wish we could break COVID protocol and go to the games, it would be this one. I know we won't, and I don't really want to, but man, I just but man, like... can invite all the first responders and stuff that already got the vaccine for yeah, free. Yeah, thank you. They're all hot. I don't know why, I don't know why there isn't programs like that. Yeah, like everyone who's done both phases of the vaccine can sit socially distanced in the crowd. Like for first responders and medical professionals, uh, people who work in hospitals, all that stuff. I mean, hey guys, so, don't wait to honor them too. NFL week one, uh, Roger Goodell will get a group of 20 of them and they'll raise a flag we'll, or something. We'll clap, clap for them on the field. Yeah. yeah and then, so. and then three air force jets will fly over. All right, exactly. And everything will be better. All right. So, uh, thank you guys for supporting us this season. Uh, we're a regular season. It's been a, a long season, I think for everyone. And, uh, and we had to adjust, you know, we went, we were old school. We, we, we make our podcast in person. We, we record together. To do we refuse to do distance recording. We even we even did a few episodes at the beginning of lockdown together, but then uh, decided we needed to learn how to be uh, technologically sound. We held uh, on to the very end, I think. Yeah, we held on to basically as long as it as we could, and then yeah, it's just um, thank you guys for sticking with us and uh, supporting the show. It's been a it's been a long season, a great season, and hopefully we get four more wins out of it. So, um, for for if you want to support the show and you want to get in the Discord and chat it up with us, there get go ahead and head over to uh, only12s.com. Click anywhere on the screen; it'll take you to our Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. Get access to our jokes podcast, picks podcast. It's just a goofy fun time that we have. Uh, get ac- um, get into Discord. Uh, where I'm giving away prizes and stuff. It's it's a good time. And also uh, our fantasy football and picks. That's where you yeah, get to know about it football, first if you want in for next year. Picks. Also, if you just want to yell at us about something or just ask us about something, we're in there uh, doing stuff. Sharing video for uh, prospects during the draft run up. Yep. We'll be uh, posting YouTube videos and highlighting specific plays that we like uh, when we're watching our draft vids. Me and Kevin love throwing the draft videos on while we're working on correcting tests or whatever. So, uh, yep. Uh, thank you to our new Patreon, Sam, and then all the Patreons, new and old, Lucas, Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Sam, Brandon, Nick, Thomas, Charles, Sebastian, Foles, E.B., Emmanuel, Jay, Orwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus Keith, the keeper of the Cincinnati Chili, Michelle. Oh. Thank you to <laughs> thank you to everyone. Uh, and so uh, the other the other last uh, the Most last thing. are grateful for that. All seven with the the last thing. If you can't support financially, I know times are tough. Head over to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, and then grab us a five star review. Helps people find the show. Helps people uh, uh, know that what we're doing is um, at least mildly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> at least, all right, mo- movie club is video game club today, y'all. So we we did our movie. We're movies of the year is gearing up, but we felt more ready to do our video games of the year. I'm gonna let Kevin go first because he didn't play quite as many games as us, but he does have a fun and controversial pick. I think. Well, controversial to some. I, I don't think it's that controversial to me. I actually kind of dig his pick. So Kevin, what game? Uh, what game caught your eye? The 2020 release. So, uh, well, I am the person who watches the most movies on the podcast. Yeah. I am probably the person who logs the least hours of games played. Um, those two things might be related. 
uh, the game that jumps out to me for 2020, it's a release that I was very highly anticipating and um, was very excited to get my hands on. And for me, it has not disappointed. And that is uh, Cyberpunk 2077. All right. Con- so, I said controversial because I think some people are going to be like, this game was broken on my PS4 now. So you can uh, go ahead and qualify it right off the bat. Uh, so number one, I play this game on PC as God intended. Um, <laughs> if you do it any other way, then, uh, you know, you make uh, you make your own choices in you life. You made a karmic and, choice. Got it. You'll get a karmic that's decision. something you can do. Um, on the other hand, I, I know... Uh, I know the use of a PC and therefore I have it on that system and it runs beautifully for me. I, my computer meets specs and I've had zero problems. Yeah. I think that game is like, for me, it's, it's really, and I, I have it on PC also and I have a 2070 and, you know, I've been bumping in the ray tracing and stuff and it looks really cool. I, I've run into a couple pretty hilarious glitches, not going to lie. Um, I've, but I, I find the game to be quite enjoyable as well. Uh, it's fun. The glitches are more of the thing about glitches like that. Those glitches suck when they like just force crash your game and make you go out of it. That was my experience with Red Dead Redemption 2. I had that game crash on me and just make me start the whole game over and load everything back up like oh, seven or eight sucks. times. And so I like, I have like some, some, the glitches in Cyberpunk make me laugh because it's like some guy's arms are just flying around all over the place for no reason. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And I know it's immersion breaking and that game is really immersive. So that's yes, the thing I, I was going to say that I love about the game is that it's one of the few games that pulls off making the city feel lived in. Like yeah. when you're just walking around the conversations and stuff, it's not just like they have the stock three lines of dialogue from GTA or something. It, it really does feel like a lived in place that you're getting to experience. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of that as a PC experience. I've heard that there's less people and less cars in the in the other versions of the game. Well, of course there is. Uh, and I, I will, um, I'll say this too. I have some constructive criticism. The game does not explain enough to me how to do certain things like level up your character and stuff. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have to read a whole bunch. Oh, the, dude, yes. The, I think the menus are pretty garbage. Like, I do not like the menus. Um, but, but I mean, I think there's a lot of endearing out the game. Um, for me, it was a game that I was very excited about, a game that I was uh, kind of a white whale for me. I love the cyberpunk as a setting. Like, my favorite book is Snow Crash. Uh, and so I was very excited about it. And it's like a solid eight for me, and I, I totally dig it. Um, all right, Eric, what are some games that caught your eye in 2020? Uh, so game of the year for, probably for me is Ghost of Tsushima. This is, uh, I don't know, it's a game I've been waiting for my whole life. It's Grand Theft Samurai. You're, you're a samurai on the island cool. of Tsushima in Japan. You are, uh, there's no guns in this game. There are some cannons you have to avoid. Um, uh, some watches. I, every time a character said "watcha," I just like, I just like laughed. I was just like, yeah. "Did you play?" Now, did you play the game in Japanese at all? No, I loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, I thought that. So basically, my plan was if the English voice acting ever annoyed me, I would just switch it to Japanese. But I liked. I found the English voice acting to be really good. Yeah, it was so really just, good. Really respectful. Believing um, it, pronunciation was good. The stories were good. Uh, people say like you've played this game before. I don't care. It's awesome. It's a like, little bit, but I do think that this game was a really good spin on the genre. Um, and I thought it was really enjoyable too. Eric. Yeah. And graphically it, I mean, honestly, after red dead redemption two, it kind of ruined 
open world gaming for me because the graphics were so good. The blades of grass were so individual. And then I went and played Assassin's Creed Odyssey like six months later. and I was like, what is this crap? This is everything is just the same texture. This is awful. Uh, Ghost is ugly. Yeah. Ghost of Tsushima. It's, it's not RDR two, but it's still beautiful. Uh, well, you should play it on a you should play it on a PS5. I'm just going to tell you, I play I only played it on a PS5, and then I wanted to see what it looked like on a PS4, so I loaded up my PS4 and and played it. the The 60 frames makes a big difference. If that game is stunning. Only I were in the Discord ever. Stunning was that so looks stunning on the PS5. Uh, before we um, go to your uh, your your magic, do you have a do you have a question on this game before? Because I got to honor. Uh, I, I, I think um I think I just wanted to talk a little bit more about it because I'm yeah. I. I'm like only one trophy away from the platinum. I've played this game a oh, lot. Oh wow! Um, I find the activities in this game to be fun and relaxing. They're they're repetitive, but they're not annoying. So repetitive tasks get really annoying when 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 they're when they're annoying. But the way the game uh, naturally handholds you to the objectives with the wind and the the birds and stuff mm-hmm. feels immer- it doesn't break immersion and it's not annoying. Like I don't have to like look at a printed map from the internet to find all the feathers like in nope. assassin's creed 2 yeah you know like i i can i can just relax hit put a marker on my map and then just follow the wind you know what i mean and it's 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 very relaxing and and fun um if i do think ignore this, those birds too you can it's it's yes. natural to avoid them and then find yeah. them later and then i um I will say though the story at the end, I felt like it was hitting the same notes over and over, which took a little bit of shine off me. I said I jokingly told my friend that this is this game is tell someone their family was brutally murdered simulator, um, <laughs> because like every mission you're just like, hey, uh, so I went and checked that out, and uh, oh, your family was brutally murdered. Yeah, <laughs> that, that like that was the game at some point, and so sounds like a Norm Macdonald gag. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, I, I, yeah. he plays a detective hey uh just so you know your family your family is murdered. murdered by oj simpson <laughs> yeah they go. but I, but the game's good i i'm with you 100 percent, eric and uh, i think it's a, a great choice for yeah, game we have you. uh we've yet to play it online together even though we had christmas oh, break I, I do like the online though we got to get in there yeah, i'm, I'm totally into that uh you can find me on uh playstation network uh Snailbot, just one word <laughs> Uh, and that's also if you want to play honorable mention game of the year for me with me, uh, Fall Guys. Don't at me. I can't help myself. I'm addicted. I love it. Fall Guys is Fall Guys was a phenomenon, and the thing is, is that for me, I just never won enough to want to keep going. Like I would get to the last round or the second to last round, and then it'd be like uh, Fall Guy Mountain or whatever that last level is called, and I would just always lose. Yes, and I would just, and it was just too maybe too mad. Um, I won six crowns. Call me a legend. I don't. <laughs> I only won two, so yeah, I feel you on that. Uh, you're three times better at this game than me. Yeah, but Fall Guys is Fall Guys is very fun. Uh, I do think that they. I wish that they had more staff from the start because they really needed to pump out content faster to keep people engaged. True, and um, they. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, for me. 2020 games of the year. I play a lot of video games. So um, I did not play Death Stranding until 2020. So for me, that's kind of a 2020 game. That's the first uh, Stranding game, right? And it's the first ever Strand type game, which is which is something to, to note. Uh, I liked it. Um, of games that actually released in 2020. Um, so I also loved Ghost of Tsushima. That is in my um, that is in my top my top list. Um, 
Last of Us Part Two was really good. I think um, anyone should play that. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. If you haven't played that yet, uh, if you loved Tony Hawk, um, the only thing is, is that one. What's that one level where you're in a like a, a downhill uh, pipe the whole time, Kevin? What's that level called in Tony Hawk Two? I think it's or, called Pipeline or something like that, or Waterworks. That, that level, that level, still sucks. They couldn't save it. That yes, that was a very hard <laughs> level. I agree. Okay, so those are my uh, So then let's get my top three. Okay, number at number because I had to do top three. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't just like only talk about one game. I'm too. Uh, I just couldn't do it. Okay, number number three, Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, I hate the original Final Fantasy VII. I often make fun of people for liking it. I think it's so corny. Um, but here's the thing. Final Fantasy VII, the original game, I felt like it has like a goofiness to it, but it's in denial about it. It's trying to still be cool, even though it's goofy and stupid. It's like still trying to be cool and edgy. Final Fantasy VII Remake understands that this is basically the B-movie of video games. Like this is like it is a B-movie. It's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. This is... The dialogue's bad. This the is hard target. Action is cheesy. It's is yeah. This is hard target. This is like, and I'm just like, love. I'm enjoying myself. I'm laughing constantly. I'm loving it. The music is good. I basically hate every character, but they're funny. So I'm so I like. I find them endearing anyway. Uh, really good. Um, yeah, I would give it like a solid eight or nine out of ten. It's it's fun. I'm I'm almost to the end. I haven't actually finished it yet, but I read spoilers. Um, so that's that. Number two for me is Spiritfarer. You guys know about Spiritfarer? I do not. It's yes. on Xbox Game Pass. Um, so Spiritfarer as well. is a uh, is a nice cozy management game where you play as the uh, the gatekeeper to hell. You you're the boat. You're the boat across the river sticks. Uh, you're building out your boat. You're helping the people on your boat cross over to the next life. It is emotional. It is fun. I do not want to spoil too much. I think that that is enough of a hook for you to decide if you like games like um stardew valley um i think that this kind of scratches that same itch but i there's an emotional uh core to this game that uh that i think most of games like that are missing what is it called spirit fairer it is on xbox game pass so if you have game pass uh you could try it out uh i think it is excellent uh and my number one game of the year is of course you guys already know it's hades i probably spent uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 hours playing Hades last year, uh, in handheld on my switch. And then I put it in the dock and got out the controller. And I jokingly messaged my friend, like, I didn't know this game had an easy mode. <laughs> Cause like I went from like, you know, I'm still consistently winning or doing good, but then I put in the game and I like, I'm like, Oh, I can't lose anymore. I'm a God. Uh, but this game has incredibly satisfying gameplay. Some of the best it's the characters are fun and interesting. It's got a narrative and I love roguelites. Roguelites, um, is a genre uh, dominated by games like, uh, FTL or, um, uh, dead cells, things like that games where you you do it you do a run right and what i love about games like this is that you can chunk them up i could play one run i have to, i have 20 minutes to play a game okay i'll just play one run on hades i have 15 minutes to play okay i'll get to sneak in one run on a on this game so i'm you can you know you can just sneak in a run here or there these games uh this game though perfectly blends the progression system of a roguelite with the rising difficulty i i cannot stress how enough a lot of times games like this, when they get harder, they start to feel unfair. And at no point when I'm playing Hades, does it ever feel like it's unfair. That's do I ever impressive. feel like, 
do I ever feel like the game is um is picking on me or or uh, doing things that I have no chance to be sticking you in a corner? The art is incredible. The music is amazing uh, from the creators of games like Bastion uh, and Transistor. Mm. If you played those ones before, uh, they they took their that art that artistic style and the the music that is so fantastic and they put it in this roguelike package where you play as Zagreus, prince of the underworld trying to escape i cannot uh recommend this game enough i think it is the big game of the year for me the best game i played last year um the other game the only other game i haven't played yet that i think could crack in i i have spider-man miles morales i got it for christmas i have not put it in the playstation yet though because i'm sucked into final, final fantasy 7 remake <laughs> Which is not a sentence I ever would have thought I would have uttered before the year started. As I, I got Final Fantasy VII Remake as kind of a like, a, oh, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to make fun of it. And I am making fun of it, but it, like I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so, you like, thought you were going to laugh at it, but now you find yourself laughing, laughing with, it. with it. Yeah, it's it's too bad too, but you know what can you do? So uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, head out? That's it. Oh, and if you have a VR setup, try Half-Life Alex. Uh, it's cool. All right. For uh, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.